was speaking with Louise at the break. And I said, I have to wait. I have to wait for that still small voice, that quiet, and wait for the spark. I said, sometimes it hits me two weeks before I have to speak. Sometimes it doesn't hit me till the night before. <laughs> but I know that when the spark hits and I, and I start to put those words down onto paper, I went, I was meant to say this. And some of what I think I meant to say might offend, but that's not my purpose. So wait till, you get, wait till I get past that part and then I'll qualify it. Um, but this was Mother's Day. And I wasn't going to do Mother's Day. And then something said, yeah, you are. <laughs> and the phrase that I, that I caught was, I prayed for this child. It was um, a mother who was barren. And she said, Lord, if you'll give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And she did. But, and I can remember, I think it was you said, think of the mothers from the Bible. So that's how I'm going to begin. I'm going to give you, you know how you Google anything? I Googled. And they gave me the 10 most significant mothers in the Bible. I'm not going to go through all their stories. I'm just going to give their names and something that might trigger a thought. And see if you can picture these mothers from the Bible. Sarah, the mother who waited. Hagar, the mother who endured. Rebecca, the mother who deceived. Now you're going to have to go back and look all these up, aren't you? Jacobed, the mother with a plan. Leah and Rachel, the mothers who had to share. Samson's mother, they don't give a name for her. The mother who followed the rules. Naomi, the mother-in-law who shared her faith. Hannah, the mother who kept her promise. Elizabeth, the mother who believed in miracles. And Mary, the mother who was blessed amongst women. I'm going to expand just on three of all of those mothers. Exodus 2, and this will seem a little longer because all of my scriptures are in my message. Exodus 2, and I'm sorry I don't have the, the chapter. Oh yeah, Exodus 2, starting at verse 6. Sorry, verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby and he was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Jacobed gave up her son to save his life. First Samuel, and this time is where I didn't write down the chapter, I apologize. But it's the story of Elkanah had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Panina, 
or Penina. Penina had children, Hannah had none. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year, and once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave son, birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, and brought him to the house of the Lord of Sh at Shiloh. They brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord, and I prayed for this child. Ooh. And the Lord granted me what I asked of him. Sorry. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Hannah gave up her son to keep her promise to God. Where that came from. When did Mary give up her son? Was it at his birth, knowing that he was Israel's Messiah? Was it at the temple when he was 12 years old? Was it when he went into the desert to prepare for his ministry? Was it the day he left to begin his ministry? Was it on the cross? Was it at the resurrection? When did Mary realize that her son did not belong to her, but to God and the world? Hannah was unable to have children. She asked for a son and vowed to give him up to work in the temple. Jacobed had a daughter, but she gave up her son to save his life. Mary's case was different. She was still unwed and wasn't even considering having children yet, but God was thinking otherwise. Of these three women, only Mary was chosen by God to bear the child who is the Christ, who is the Messiah. Blessed art thou among women, said the angel. And Mary hadn't even done anything yet. Today is a day set aside for the celebration of motherhood, which, when you recall, was actually a punishment placed on women for Eve's act of defiance against God in the garden. God doesn't shield us from the good or the bad things in life, and that includes the trials of motherhood. Not every mother and child thrives and survives. God does not show, sorry, God does show us a way to deal with life circumstances if we open our hearts and our minds to his word and his wisdom. But the way of men, even good intentioned men, can cause incredible hardships and distress, especially towards motherhood. 
There have been two very disturbing stories of late that illustrate how little certain factions in society understand the complex and the intimate bond of motherhood. The decisions concerning these two stories were made at a time when women did not have a fair say in their own well-being. The time frame of these two incidents overlap, beginning in the 1940s and lasting all the way to the 1980s. I'm going to share two stories that are disturbing, but they are motherhood. According to an article in the Washington Post in July of 2018, in the societal values of the post-war period, when the social stigma of unwed women having illegitimate children and raising them in non-traditional nuclear families was so significant that many women were sent out to, sorry, to wait out their pregnancies at maternity homes often run by religious groups. They thought they were doing the right thing. Canada's adoption policies led to hundreds of thousands of unwed mothers being forced to give up their babies for adoption as a common practice between 1945 and 1970. A practice shrouded in secrecy. Most of us didn't even realize it was happening. An estimated 95% of women who gave birth at these maternity homes gave up their children for adoption and many were coerced into signing the adoption papers. Data from Statistics Canada shows approximately, and this was staggering, 600 thousand births from 1945 to 71 were recorded as illegitimate. Some were told to get a puppy to fill the void of the missing child. Some were told that they would eventually get married and they would forget about the baby. But one mom commented, how do you forget a baby? Isaiah 49 verse 15 can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget. A second story, the 60s scoop, refers to the mass removal of Aboriginal children from their families into the child welfare system, which they thought was wonderful. In most cases, it was done without the consent of the family or the bands. A British Columbia social worker provided the phrase 60s scoop when she told one of the authors of the report with tears in her eyes that it was common practice in British Columbia in the mid-60s to scoop from their mothers on reserves almost all newly born children. She was crying because she realized 20 years later what a mistake that had been. Many of these scooped up babies and children ended up in residential schools to be assimilated into the white Western culture. The schools were also run by religious groups with seemingly good intentions. Jesus understood the importance of the mother-child bond in John 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and this, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to a woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So why am I telling you these troubling and historical tales of motherhood? I'm not trying to sabotage the good things about Mother's Day. 
I am trying to expand it. I think it is of great importance to make sure that when we celebrate mothers with cards and candy and flowers and food, that we remember to acknowledge those mothers who endured the tragedy of losing children by whatever eventuality was, right? It's not right <clears throat> to avoid or ignore the plight of these mothers. Just because we might, be we might upset them, they too need to be recognized and comforted. They need to be recognized as victims of misguided religious and social customs. I'm also telling you this because these practices are still going on. Policies created by politicians becomes law, become laws without compassion for the individual mother and child. They all also illustrate a disregard for God's love and Christ's teachings. Yes, God added physical pain to childbirth, but the emotional pain inflicted by social laws meant to protect children is far more agonizing for the mother and the child. Matthew 12, verses 48 to 50. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Old and New Testaments declare, honor thy mother. Just this week, Prince Harry made this comment shortly after the birth of his son. How any woman does what they do is beyond comprehension. <laughs> and then he innocently added, this baby is to die for. Whew. I don't know why this is. This baby is to die for. I prayed for this child. So, use this day to recognize and celebrate your mothers and your grandmothers and your mother figures, those near, those far, those past. Celebrate mothers who bore children, adopted children, fostered children, but most importantly, loved children. Pray for those who lost or had stolen the opportunity to raise a child to adulthood. Celebrate motherhood from every place and culture that is raising children as the hope of the next generation of God's kingdom here on earth. Proverbs 31, verse 28. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. When Alvin said, is there anything, and of course I have a wheelbarrow full of stuff out there. Here's my life. And we have a son that has struggles. I think that's where I was going. I kept going back to him. He's a good man. God and I are in control now. I have a song that um, a friend of mine, Sim Rushton, you may know the name. Um, he's written a lot of music, and he's at the moment he's ministering in Bermuda. And, and we got to go down and visit with him for a week, which was really nice. But he had a tune, he had a melody, and he said, Lord, I've got this melody, and the, the words aren't there. And he said, will you take it? And I said, sure, give it to me, I'll see what I can do. 
And he said, but I know what I want it to be about. I just can't word it properly. He said, I want it to be about Mary. I want it to be about what did Mary go through? She was an unwed mother. How did they treat her? What happened? What was she thinking? Right? And so I took it. And for a couple of weeks, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then the spark. So this is the song that Simonard created. It's called Can She Believe? And he plays it better than I do. So if I muck up the chords, just forgive. But anyway, it's the story of Mary. And I'll give you just a quick overview. The first verse is she finds out she's pregnant. The second one is what are the people of the town thinking? The third is his birth. And the fourth is when she leaves, when he leaves. I'll complete it. Warm breeze swirls a dusty cloud around the tired feet. Laugh or cry, she can't decide as the angel. Angel's voice repeats, not a dream but prophecy, a gift for all the world. Can she believe God loves her so to bless a maiden girl? Through the desert town she moves her hand. She bows. Many eyes she feels them stare. Why does she walk so proud? Now her eyes are moist again, this time in silent joy. Can she believe God loves them so? For them, this little Strangers all around her kneel, her baby boy she sways. Angels hail her shepherd king, great news they sing today. In her heart she harbors joy, their sorrow to abides. Can she believe? swirls a dusty cloud around her tired feet watching other children play as they pass along the street her son within the temple stands God's promise now set free his mother smiles upon
from. I remember, and, and when Rachel came up to sing, when they opened the new school in Oxford, mm -hmm. and we sang, they said, we're gonna open it with We Rise Again. Well, that's great. So Angela came, she said, we've got a student to sing a verse, we want a teacher to sing a verse. Will you sing a verse? Sure, I'll sing a verse, sure. And I was good until they said, and your grade one class will stand up and sing with you. I went, what? <laughs> And they did, and I broke down during rehearsal, but I was okay when we actually did. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. God bless. Yeah.